Hey, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Southside Trap Podcast, the podcast that helps you stay on top with the Chicago Red Stars. It's your girl, Sandra. Ready to recap the Chicago Red Stars victory. Chicago Red Stars defeat Sky Blue FC in the homecoming, y'all. It was a great match. Got to see them uh, defeat Sky Blue 4-1. There's a lot to get into within this match with some little extra news tidbits that we'd like to discuss with everyone here. And in order to do that, because there's a lot of it, couldn't do it alone. No one could ever do anything alone. I am here tonight, as always, with my friend, homie, and colleague, Claire Watkins, a.k.a. the Scam Originator. How are you doing tonight, Claire? I'm good. I was very stoked by this game. Um, and I'm really excited to talk about it. Winner, winner. It's always a good vibe. And uh, it was a real nice vibe. And we're going to get into all those vibes very, very quickly. But before we get into the game day environment and the actual game as a whole on itself, some news came out today and we're excited to kind of dive into. If you haven't been following too, too closely to the fall series, A, it's okay. That's why we're here for you. But B, with the announcement of the NWSL uh, fall series, there was also the announcement of what is being referred to as the Verizon Community Shield. And it's a very new first of its kind, a, like grant award based type of uh, quote unquote title, I guess that uh, teams could potentially be playing for within these matches during the fall season. Uh, it's a grant based award. And clubs have been challenged to seek out a local business or local program that they would like to play for uh, throughout the duration of the fall series. And three different grants will be passed out to the teams, uh, you know, based on the, their top performances based on points. So there is a, a tally in terms of watching the standings of where um, teams end up. So obviously it's going to be first place will be awarded the most. And then there will also be additional funds distributed for teams who finish uh, in second or third place. So with that, after their win, uh, the Red Stars went ahead and announced the local business that they are going to be playing for, for the duration of fall series. And that's going to be semicolon bookstore. And when they tweeted it out, I have to admit Immediately, my reaction was like, that's dope. It was a cool um, a cool bookstore for them to go ahead and select great local business. It's a Black woman-owned bookstore and gallery space. So we're very, very, very excited for the Red Stars to go ahead and continue to play for this particular local business. Uh, Claire, I know I was like, hey, have you had a chance to go there? And then we both sadly realized that we're living independent yeah haven't been much of anywhere uh recently but um yeah no i think this is great i i think the red stars have highlighted semicolon before when um this was when they were doing the google partnership during the challenge cup and tierna davidson i think chose semicolon as her business that she wanted to promote and so i think that that was probably the thing that that led them to have the discussion of of having them be the uh organization that they were going to be playing for and, and and Davidson had a quote in the release and and I think that was very cool um yeah I think it's great I mean I think I'm hopeful that this announcement at least preceding the big CBS game this upcoming weekend um 
gives CBS the opportunity, the broadcast to maybe talk about it a little bit. Um, and then also I hope that the Red Stars encourage people to give or even give themselves if they don't get a chance to, <laughs> to give a grant to, to them through their play, but hopefully they, they win out and they, uh, they win some money for, for a good organization. Absolutely. Um, they had, uh, semicolon actually recently had a really great program, uh, that kind of was elevated throughout, um, you know, the current, really in the height of, pan of the pandemic when it was really hitting Chicago uh, pretty, pretty hard. It was called the Clear the Shelves Initi Initiative. Uh, every month, Semicolon invites Chicago public school students to the store and free of charge, students can take home whatever books they'd like. So it is a really great um, local bookstore to be partnering with. Uh, yeah, Claire is 100% correct that I, this, this was probably a Google local business that Tina Davidson um, highlighted. She did have a great quote within the release. Uh, Semicolon is an amazing business to play for because of the work they do to spread knowledge and power throughout our community and the representation they bring for women of color in literature and art. So shout out to Tina Davidson for once again being smarter than everybody. Correct. Uh, so yeah, watch out. If you're local to the city, um, you know, see if you can maybe donate uh, to Semicolon and uh, we look forward to seeing the Red Stars put together some more good performances on top of this one that they already got. Um, to transition into this game day, you guys, we had to, you know, we were outlining this episode and we knew that instead of just sort of sharing any news and then jumping into the game, that we had to maybe take a second to chat a bit about the fact that the Red Stars have finally returned home from war, you guys. Uh, this was the very first like competitive, I guess would be considered competitive NWSL match that the Red Stars got to play at SeatGeek in Bridgeview, Illinois during this year in 2020. So obviously the sentiment and the emotion around it probably was high, right? And uh, probably added to that extra level of game day hype. Uh, Claire and I were fortunate and privileged enough to be able to cover, go and cover the game. Um, and I know that we're both going to give our perspectives. So for me, uh, arriving to the facility was um, weird, but in a very uh, good way. Uh, there were obviously are apprehensions of like, what is this going to look like? What's it going to feel like? Uh, it felt very, very long, right? Uh, being there the very last time we were at SeatGeek Stadium was in the semifinal in 2019. And uh, it's crazy to think that it's been a year, uh, a full year, really, since we had returned <laughs> ourselves <laughs> from war into that facility. So yeah, I was a little bit in my feelings about it. And uh, I quickly kind of checked myself because I realized that I was very, A, lucky to be able to be in the position that I'm in, but B, uh, I knew I was gonna have a buddy with me. So I was really happy that Claire was also gonna be able to go to this game because it's those kind of moments it can be overwhelming at times. And let me tell you, it really does help to, to have a, a buddy in, in those, in those moments. Yeah. Um, but yeah, protocols and stuff like that. We both went through the same thing. What's, what did you think? Yeah. I mean, I, the, yeah, the only thing I wanted to even add is just, um, you know, I think that it's important to say that 
I know both of us considered the pros and cons of going before doing it. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about our experiences media um, in the context of them not having fans. Uh, for me, I think I've said this before. I've tweeted this before. I don't have a car. Um, so transportation was a factor for me. I was lucky enough to be able to borrow my roommate's car. So that ended up being a safe thing that I could do. But obviously when you have a stadium in Bridgeview and you are living in the city of Chicago, it's not so simple to be able to even go to one of these things and feel in control of the space around you. Um, and so once I was able to figure those kinds of things out where I was like, okay, I can leave my apartment safely. I can get there safely. Um, I felt, I felt like it was going to be okay. And I think the other thing as well is, is what Sandra and I both know about SeatGeek is that the press box is outside and that makes a big difference as well. I know other places have maybe windows that they can open, but, um, overall we ended up spending, I don't know, 30 seconds indoors the whole time and everyone was wearing masks. So, um, I knew that about SeatGeek having been there before. And then the, the pros obviously being, and this is a privilege that we have, is that truly to be able to speak about these games, I complained about this actually on the Twitch stream last week, to be able to speak about these games intelligently, it helps so much to be there. And, and so I took that very seriously and I felt very lucky that they let us go do that. And right, so you know, masks mandatory. Um, they had a, a list to make sure that your name was on the list, mask on at all times, even outdoors. Um, they took your temperature upon arriving. You filled out a little questionnaire, you know, saying that you, the contact, basic contact tracing stuff and symptom stuff. Um, and then you just go straight to the press box and that's where you stay for the, for the whole thing. We did the post game from the press box again, open air, still all zoom didn't come near any players or staff or anything like that. Um, and so I, I'm very grateful that we were able to do it, but again, with the understanding that it, it came as a responsibility and we wanted to be as careful as possible in participating in it. Um, and I just don't want anyone to think that we were just like, yes, of course, we'll do it no matter what, because it's a much more serious conversation than that. And I think it's worth talking about, especially because I do feel very strongly that what these sports teams decide to do, whether it's fans or media or whatever, does set an example. It's a public example that they're setting about what they think is okay. And, um, you know, I, I, I take that seriously as well. So um, I was very excited to be there. I wouldn't have gone if Sandra wasn't going to be there, <laughs> but, um, I, I did not, I felt very safe. The whole thing, um, was very secure and, uh, and well facilitated by the team. I thought. Yeah, I think so as well. In, in terms of having to prepare for something like this, that no sports team has had to really prepare for, in prior years or especially in NWSL, a league that's only you know eight eight years old eight seasons old um it was really dope to just see everybody all on the same page right and all in compliance and um really not having the decision to not have fans I think added a layer of safety it added a layer of comfort within that safety that was already being established through the protocols and um i know we're living in this strange part of the timeline right now where it's september and we're looking at october and people are 
understandably frustrated at how the year has evolved and how the pandemic has been handled in this country. And um, there are pockets of this nation that are uh, humoring and toying and tinkering um, with the concept of um, allowing um, fans in a, what is considered a controlled environment. And uh, I think once you open that gate, that's when you kind of maybe lose control as much as you think you're going to provide some. Um, and I, I have to say that I think the players perform the way they perform because they know that their safety and health is being considered as top priority number one. And, um, yeah, I thought it was uh, really, really great. That added to the good vibes, honestly. The fact that everyone was on the same page and really just needing to be okay with the fact that there was all that social distancing, that there were no fans. Um, it was still very cool. If you have, I'm going to take this time to do what I always do and that show love to my, my friend, homie, colleague Claire Watkins. If you have not read her recap if you are not a subscriber to the patron at the at least the five dollar tier you probably missed out on the best encapsulation of what the vibes were on that day and uh, i would encourage you to go check it out if you can or if you are interested in that um because despite not having fans in the stands there was such a good um, just a good vibe in terms of the community that has been building itself over the course of this various seasons for the Red Stars. Uh, and that included the off-season signing of somebody like Lindsay Enid. And they signed her to be their PA announcer for game days. And this was announced back in May, which honestly feels like an eternity ago. And literally arriving to this stadium and getting settled in and then eventually hearing all kinds of game day stuff coming over the PA, it was like, oh man, this is the Chicago Red Stars game day. And that happens because of somebody like Lindsay. It was great to be able to not only witness the Chicago Red Stars homecoming and having them return to SeatGeek Stadium, but also the debut of the, their new PA announcer. Yeah, um, I think I've seen some some different media members who have gone to games elsewhere that, you know, it feels to them very surreal to have the PA going. And, and they did ads. They ran ads like they were going to. They had all the display boards going. They did all the audio cues. Um, and and I, yes, I guess it, it is a little bit surreal, but it also just lends this idea of like, who is this for? And yeah, it's for the fans, but it's also like, why would you not give your team every possible competitive advantage by making them feel as at home as possible? Um, and there was a really good piece. I, I forget who, who wrote it. I think it might've been The Athletic, but I'm not sure about the WNBA wobble and how, despite the fact that that was a single site um, is a single site tournament or season that the home team quote unquote home team has like a quite good record and better than the away teams. And a big part of that has to do with the fact that if you are the home team, you get to run all the audio cues 
and you get to run the warm-up video and the introductions and you get to set the tone audit orally that's the word um for yourselves and i think that that what i felt at SeatGeek this weekend was very similar in that you know yes it it was very weird with no fans and and too bad with no fans we'll talk about this a little bit more chicago's played at SeatGeek without that many fans in the past so you know it's it's a relative feeling but um having the song like even just the pregame playlist which you know pat ourselves on the back a lot of which were player favorites which we know because sandra and i are working for the people uh and it was just it was nice it was good to hear um you know i think anyone who's been to a game knows that the announcers have a lot of fun with the lineups and presenting the away team as as like the the bad guys and the opponents and the we have our conquering heroes the our chicago red stars coming in to play the game and having that uh even with out you know people in the stands i think made a big difference it made a big difference for me it felt great and i think Lindsay did a, a fantastic job um it felt very personalized and it felt updated and every single song was a bop and i said before the game i said if she plays starship after this game is over i'm gonna lose my shit and she did and i did and we did Uh, (laughs) it was fantastic it felt um, we didn't think the wind could feel better and somehow it did because of Lindsay and her song choices yeah that's right fantastic um also to kind of uh close out the general uh pre-game good vibes Uh, it was absolutely 100 percent fantastic to see that chicago red star supporters group chicago local 134 had made their contribution to this environment as well and they did it in the most authentic way that they have always done their support for the players on this team and they went ahead and placed a number of banners uh, to show their support and not only show their support, but solidarity uh, with the team and its uh, black players specifically. Uh, a number of matches, I think there were about five or six banners for, for the little TIFOs that they had out there. A uh, number of them uh, speaking to Black Lives Matter, uh, Black Trans Lives Matter, uh, the recent rally cry of the uh, NWSL Black Players Coalition uh, that uh, you're either with us or against us. And it was nice to see that being incorporated as well. And of course, they had uh, a Chicago Red Stars uh, flag as well on there. And uh, it was great to see that. I think all, that, all of that um, added a layer of what could be considered normalcy, right, for a Chicago Red Stars home game. And um, all of the above things that we've, you know, mentioned already were all great things that helped uh, contributed and, quite frankly, really helped set the tone for this match, I think. And with that, we're going to start getting into some soccer, baby. So the Chicago Red Stars took on Sky Blue FC for this match it's the first time that these two teams met up in their northeast regional pod thing um we still have feelings about that Uh, but these three teams uh, red stars sky blue spirit 
all going to be playing each other a couple times. This was the first time for both these teams during the fall series. And, um, you know, we previewed this match for you guys last week. And, you know, we thought, hey, you know, Sky Blue did a couple of very cool and interesting things against uh, Washington Spirit side. We got to see a debut of somebody like Mal Pugh, who did some very cool things with her 30 minutes of times. And then uh, as they got into game day, we saw an injury report as we typically do ahead of time. And we saw Mal Pugh placed on that injury report and she was uh, unavailable to start yeah, the game. Just speaking of the injury reports, I did think I really do enjoy um, Chicago, the Chicago's approach to the injury reports during the series where it's like, if it's a away game, they're like, fuck it, they're out. And then if it's a home game, it's like, fuck it, they're in. <laughs> and so it's like, I, all teams are doing this. A lot of teams are doing it like that because you don't want to make anybody travel if they're not going to play. But um, it is just very funny to me to be like, they're, none of them can play. And then the next week, I, maybe all of them can play. <laughs> I appreciate it. I think it's good. And honestly, watching the teams who have been doing it, I have a whole lot more respect for them. I'm for like, sure. yes. You should be playing these games. Yeah. And I appreciate that. Recognize, understand, and respect it. Um, yeah, there were a number of players on, on the injury report in various capacities. They're either listed as out, questionable, um, or otherwise. Uh, so for Sky Blue, uh, Malpew was, I believe, suffering some from Achilles soreness. So, the, again, like most of these games, a lot of teams are not going to be pushing or pressing the issue when it comes to things like that. So she was unavailable for this match. So that obviously maybe, you know, looks a little bit different for um, offensive options in the top line for Sky Blue. But we're going to get into these starting 11s uh, and name names specifically. And we'll get into both sides here for context purposes. But for the home side, because this is a Chicago Red Stars podcast, the team lined up is followed on this day. They had Alyssa Nair net. Bianca St. George's, Sarah Gordon, Zoe Morse, Cameron Bogalski, uh, Morgan Gatra. Danny Colaprico, Sarah Luber, Vanessa DiBernardo, Zoe Gorowski, and Khalil Watt to round out their starting 11. And uh, Claire, I got to say, watching the Red Stars unveil this starting 11, I wasn't mad at it. And in fact, I was real excited that they awarded Zoe Gorowski with more room to run. What did you think of this starting 11? Yeah, I think it, I think it's great. Um... I, yeah, it's, it's a fun, it was a really, it's a fun, fun 11. I thought, um, I thought that, you know, it speaks to things we've seen in the past. Uh, we were joking that Goralski got the Aaron Wright treatment in that she, you know, if you have a need up top because someone's out or injured, uh, you push, <laughs> you push one of your OBs up there and then you put someone else at outside back because Chicago has 72 defenders. So, um, it made a lot of sense to me. I was excited. I mean, Zoe Gorowski did really nice work, um, more forward facing last year in her limited minutes. So I thought that she'd do quite well. And, um, yeah, she is someone that, and this is something that, that Rory Dames talked about a little bit after the match where she, she's, she plays well as a backup outside back. Um, but I would say if there's any weakness there, it is in the defending aspect. And so just having her push forward um, and then have a little bit more support from someone like Biagalski, who I thought had a great game, um, was was good. And I think that you definitely saw how this ties into Chicago's philosophy of um, having players with a lot of versatility and then also having 
options off the bench, especially in defense, where it's just like next person up, let's go. So I liked it. I liked it a lot. Yeah, felt good about it. Uh, I was like a couple of skis, right? Nagelski and Garowski, and also within that, a couple of Zoe's. That's fine. A lot of a lot of duo power going on here. So there was a. We were excited to see what what this particular starting eleven was going to bring against Sky Blue FC, who lined up as followed. Uh, Sky Blue FC had a bit of a goalkeeping rotation going on because as Claire noted when we were um, covering the game during game day that a team like the Red Stars has a backup overseas and they came into this fall series with two and then goalkeepers and you've got a team like Sky Blue that's got a ton of them. Uh, so we saw some rotation and to kick off their starting 11, um, they had uh, D.D. Heritage in, in net to start this game. They had Imani Dorsey, Mandy Freeman, Gina Lewandowski, Sabrina Flores rounding out the back line. Uh, Domi Richardson, Sarah Woldmo, Mitch Purse, uh, Jennifer Cujo, Paige Monahan, and Ifeoma Anamanu to round out their starting 11. And got to admit, uh, even without a player like Mal Pugh, a player with, you know, a player like McCall Zerboni unavailable due to injury, somebody like Carly Lloyd, who's just a very good veteran player. Uh, even without those very significant key players, looking at this lineup and watching what this team has been trying to build, I said, this is a good lineup. This is a good lineup that could give Chicago Red Stars a, a run for their money on this day. What did you think of Sky Blue lineup? Yeah, I mean, like Chicago, it's not probably the A1 starting 11 that Sky Blue wants at the beginning of next season, but um, lots of really good pieces, obviously. We saw how effective their offense can be uh, when they played Washington a couple weeks ago, and it they are doing well in that they're starting to put the right people in the right places. And so, yeah, there. I mean, there are weaknesses in that 11. I mean, we'll talk about what went wrong um, for Sky Blue during this game, but there's a lot of strengths as well. And I think that they have some personnel work to do, but the the philosophy and, and many of the pieces are there. And against, you know, against a Chicago team that's starting, um, you know, two rookies and, and one second year player on the back line and, you know a rookie up top you don't you you're like well honestly you look at sky blue and you're like you're, you think to yourself well there are more there are more seasoned nwsl veterans here than there are on chicago's side like there's going to be a, a bit of a mental toughness here maybe that sky blue will have that chicago is going to have to sort of develop into as the game goes on so that was actually my initial thought even when the game started was i was like oh sky blue here has a lot of players that have experience playing NWSL league games and you could see that especially in the midfield um but then Chicago responded so yeah absolutely I think um you know unlike the Red Stars you know we've from Challenge Cup like coming into 2020 right even without Challenge Cup just looking at their offseason uh covering their draft day um, seeing them head into a preseason that ultimately had to be stopped and then finally watching them play Challenge Cup. With all those things considered, you know, we've heard a lot about what the Red Stars specifically want to look like moving forward. Um, 
as they kind of move into a newer era of different things when it comes to establishing an offense. And we've heard a lot about that. And we, it was something that we were looking for, quite frankly, during the Challenge Cup. And it's difficult to maybe see all of the things that you're trying to build and are building um, with all of the things happening around you. The, the constant starting and restarting, stopping and going, the large roster, the smaller roster, um, and just the inability to be able to kind of establish chemistry, right, and become a, a cohesive unit. And uh, on this day, uh, while Sky Blue has been doing what they're doing, I think we ended up seeing, uh, especially in this first game that they had against Washington Spirit, a team like Sky Blue and watching them go through their rebuild and being like, okay, we see what, what they're trying to do. And I think, Claire, like for us, we were still kind of like, well, we know what the Red Stars are trying to do, but don't know if we've necessarily seen it yet. And there were some moments, a lot of moments actually, within this game that we saw what really they were trying to do. And it was actually something, it was cool to see them kind of build off of that loss against the Spirit and then come into this game and then kind of see the goals that they scored and happen how they happened. And uh, the goal scoring actually started really, really quickly in this match. And it was with Sky Blue. They opened up the goal scoring in this match within the first, uh, I'll say five minutes, because even though they they got an early goal, but it was ruled offside. And there was just some uh, interesting, um, I don't want to say, trickery i mean it was just like a really cool moment where anamanu just found herself yeah that was a sick move man she ended up just kind of back healing a goal and so i fell to her and she was like i'm just gonna put this away and she i did, think she I'm... knew she was offside it was a little bit like like yeah but it, 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 but it, it went in the back cool. of the net but yeah. uh it was it was ruled offside and it was yeah. appropriately ruled offside but uh that didn't stop this team we saw you know mitch purse again what sky blue is building she once again was up top for them uh, as part of their top line. And they continued their attack. And then Anumanu got an additional opportunity in this opening goal. Um, Paige Monahan, Mitch Purse, um, Jennifer Cujo had a role in, in this opening goal as well. It was really interesting to see. There was a little bit of a – there was a bit of a dispossession that took place. They just kind of wrestled the ball away from the Red Stars. I believe it was Sarah Lubert that they wrestled the ball away. And then you just had – uh, this kind of connecting pass from from Purse to, to, to Cujo and Cujo to Monaghan, and then Monaghan was able to whip this ball in from out wide, and, and Anumanu was there and opened the goal scoring right there in the sixth minute. So to see them kind of go from that early up, really early opportunity to the fourth minute, have it called offside, and then just still see them keeping up their press and then having them get that goal two minutes later, it was a very early goal, and it can make you feel some type of way. And I was kind of like, well – Let's see what the, how the Red Stars respond to this. Yeah, it was interesting because th- this ties into kind of what I was saying about Sky Blue having more league vets on the field maybe. Um, Sarah Lubert had a really interesting game. And part of the reason it was interesting was in the first 10 minutes or so, she had a physical adjustment that she had to make. Um, it was clear from the very beginning that she 
is still getting used to some of the physicality of play in the NWSL, um, which is like reasonable. That's not a, it's not a dig. She had a wonderful game, but, and she adjusted, she did adjust after the first 10 minutes. So um, you could see that from her. You could also see the adjustment that had to be made by Bianca and George um, against Midge purse. And there was just, it was, again, I'm just so grateful that we were able to be there because you could see what broke down and why. And then Sky Blue took advantage of it because they've been here before. Um, and then there was some yelling that occurred <laughs> from the coaching staff. And it got a lot better. So it, it, was, it was cool. It was very cool to see that in real time, um, especially because as the game played out, you know, it's interesting that you say you talk about how this is like the manifestation of Chicago's project. And it definitely is, but it is still also them playing to the players that they have right now. Chicago let Sky Blue possess. They let them possess in their half. Like Sky Blue had a lot of dangerous movement. That is their big rebuild right now. They are rebuilding into a pass first possession style team. I had the thought actually that both teams were possessing out of the back and then their opponents were kind of letting them there was a little bit of a fitness issue there um so that only works though if your man by man defending holds up and at the very beginning for chicago it did not but then they improved on it so i think that if you're going to play that if you're going to play a absorb and counter like chicago was playing you have to absorb and so that was a huge learning experience that first goal for for some rookies or some new newer players. Um, and I think that the other thing that I thought was, um, was just kind of wild was you have the away team score and there are no fans. It's as if it didn't happen at all. Nothing changed. There was no audio cue. There was no cheer or groan. It was like, Oh, well that happened. Yeah. I have no take backs, I I guess. I think, yeah, I think I'm not saying that that's like, something that maybe played into the red stars they might be used to it by now but i'm not yeah i yeah it was it was weird you know it was uh, like it's hard to gauge if that was something that maybe might have played into their their quick response but um it was very good <laughs> it felt very nice to see this red star starting 11 quickly respond to going down so early uh in in the first half and kind of really the way that they did, you know, yeah. Like seeing a, one of the, in the home sides player kind of just really get pushed off the ball by a veteran, like Waldmole. You're like, well, shit, you know? And then, and then it was quick. It was so quick the way this sky blue team was able to just sort of transition that into a goal. And it happened. So watching, I mean, you're talking four minutes later, you know, the red stars, immediately respond with a goal of their own. And it was, it was fantastic to witness uh, because it's a moment that so many have been waiting for and none, none other more than probably the goal scorer herself in Kalia Watt. Uh, it was a fantastic goal to watch develop happen. It was, it was something that happened off of a sideline throw-in uh, right around midfield. You saw the Red Stars have very good – uh, very good position. Uh, Bianca St. George applying her pressure. She's like, oh, well, this is happening now. So I let the watching 
a, a first year, not a, well, a second year player, but first year getting right. minutes. Don't call her a rookie, but it's her first year. Yeah. Yeah. Like watching her get these minutes and seeing her make these adjustments in, in real time um, was great to watch happen and seeing her apply that pressure on this throw in, you know, helping, getting the help from, Another actual rookie in Sarah Luber, Luber who ends up feeding this ball to to D. Bernardo, who feeds this ball to Kalia Watt, and God bless Sky Blue. Both of the both of these defenses on these very early goals got stretched, and there were like some head movements, like who do I mark and when? And you have to make those decisions incredibly quickly, especially if you're going against somebody like an Anamanu or Kalia Watt. And Kalia Watt was able to just just put this ball away and it was it was fantastic it was a lovely assist from Di bernardo a lovely one touch to her and it was a great toe poke into into the net and uh congratulations to her one week getting the assist and then the next week getting yeah. the goal claire what do you think on this goal um well when i say things like sky blue needs to make some personnel decisions and um there were, there was sky blue has a lot of talent on that back line um they were not set up to succeed against Chicago because Chicago's front line was so much faster than them. Um, it's just true. You know, Chicago, Lubert, Watt, and Goralski, that is a speedy front line. And if you have someone like Di Bernardo who can get the passes through, Sky Blue couldn't recover. So it, it was tough. And, and they were keeping – I was shocked how few offside calls Chicago got. Like, they were keeping them on side – it it was rough. It was a rough day for Sky Blue's defense um, in a way that I do think they will learn from. But I also think that there are two ways to say it. One would be they need to figure out who's going to be their fast recovery runner, or they need to change the way they play defense to fit the personnel that they have. Um, it was fabulous. I mean, I can't, we'll talk about this multiple times. You can't overstate what a, what a great game Kaylee Watt had like it on so many levels. Um, and I think also it's important to note, you know, I think the story, the story right now is definitely Sarah Lubert because she's a surprise. But the other thing that really happened in this game that was, it was lovely, was the way she played with Vanessa Bernardo, And it was, it honestly felt like this feels right. This feels like it has been coming for years. And Di Bernardo looks healthy. She looks confident. They both, and, and Gatra, they all had a really confident game in a way that, and we'll talk about this more, I think, as as we go through it, but um, I was like, this is this is a bit of a missing piece, actually, to what we consider to be, and, and I know they're, they have their own personal goals, but what we consider to be the Red Stars non-U.S. squad this was a big thing that was missing was what Watt was doing on, on Sunday. And so having that turn into a goal and then have that keep coming for her, um, you know, yes, there were reasons why sky blues defense made it easy, but also it, it was, it was really high. It was high level stuff and it was very exciting. And it felt again with this greater feeling of, of homecoming and it being such a long journey back that feeling of like, oh, this feels, this feels very right. What, what we're seeing um, from this team. Absolutely. And I think it also kind of set like the two early goals, like just set a mood, right. It just, it's a tempo that we were both just kind of like, well, not only are these two 
early goals that just happened, but both of these back lines got a little bit of stuff to work on. Interesting. Yeah. Both got a little yeah. bit of some interesting stuff to work on. And for a second there, there was the feeling that this was going to be a wild one. Buckle up. Like we were like, well, there's going to be more goals in this game. Granted, there were more goals in this game, but it ended up being a little, uh, this goal scoring was more lopsided in favor of the Red Stars. But again, that's not to take away from what we saw uh, from the Sky Blue team. I mean, we're talking about like first, first half stats alone, um, you know, nine shots to, to Chicago's six, you know what I mean? Five on target to Chicago's four, you know? and so on and so forth. So there was um, there was a real look that we got at Sky Blue. Uh, there's a lot of, I'm not even going to say good, there's a lot of great ideas happening. Absolutely, yeah. Right now for this Sky Blue team. And uh, they are absolutely uh, on the rise. You can kind of maybe look at this game, even in that first half alone, and say if you can get like one more piece right uh what will that look like uh so more goals did come in this game and they came in succession in the in the first half and it happened for the red stars even as we saw both of these teams not kind of back down from their game plan right still kind of taking it to each other when they felt they wanted to uh for the red stars this second goal that they'd scored to really finally pull ahead from from Sky Blue, I thought was a little bit of vintage, right? Red Star. So I loved watching that first goal happen because it was a quick response and it was it came off of how it came off of like this kind of, you know, hype, like this pressure off of a, a, a sideline throw-in and then a quick connecting play. And then we saw... <laughs> We saw the Red Stars try to play from the back, and uh, it actually didn't look like it was going to go well for a second because Sky Blue was committed to their press. And there was a little bit of a moment where Sarah Gordon and, and Danny Colaprico were trying to connect, and the ball kind of ping-ponged around, and Martin Gatross said enough and eventually got on the ball. And like she does so often when she gets on the ball, provides a very cool, calm, and collected presence, retained possession, and very quickly had the vision to see Zoe Garowski and lobbed this ball. Um, something that we know that the, cap- that the Red Stars are capable of, uh, but quite frankly, not too sure we were going to see some of this as we had seen more frequently in the past when they would maybe kind of target someone with a long ball over the top, right? So watching the trot kind of serve this up to someone who we know has a ton of speed and pace and somebody like Zoe Garowski, uh, she ends up getting on this ball and uh, God, God bless her. Didi Heritage uh, comes out to make a play because to her credit, she recognizes that somebody like Garowski is going to get on this ball and probably do something. And her back line already got, uh, kind of stretched a bit on that first goal. So she clearly was coming to make a play. Unfortunately, she did not. And Zoe Garowski ended up getting to this ball, making just the sweetest of touches, getting it past uh, Heritage, and then just having a wide open net. And shout out to Garowski. She made the wise, smart decision to not get too excited about that and just follow the ball 
and tapped it in. She did hit it real hard though. She hit it on the ground, but it went it went in and then whoop up the up the back of netting. Um yeah, I mean I think Zoe Gorowski also had a great game. Um she's someone that we've talked about this before. She led the league in tackles during the challenge cup. She is someone that works her ass off for like every minute she's on the field. And what that means in a more attacking context is that she just didn't let sky blue breathe on that side for one second. And, um, she, yeah, she did some really good stuff. I mean, honestly, before that goal, she almost, she got decked by Heritage in the box. Like she arguably had a penalty, um, a penalty call and that one almost went in the goal too, but it went wide and then, you know, ball don't lie. She got a second opportunity at it. And yeah, it was a big goalkeeper error. Um, Heritage totally missed the ball. She was inconclusive when, you know, when you leave the box, you got to go all in. You can't go half and half on it. No doubt. You can't have a single shred of doubt in your mind. So, um, yeah, it was great. It was, it was good to see. It was a pretty classic hustle play and, and that's kind of the thing that I was saying before about what this game was for Chicago. Some of it was very characteristic of some old school Chicago stuff in, I think this, the tactics, but also in the execution of it. Um, it's very, it's very red star to have a player like Gorowski and you say, you know what, just go wreak havoc up there, you know, blow, blow, blow shit up and, and, and figure it out. And I think that, Growski's also good on the ball. And so we saw that for this and we saw it, we're going to see it for the third goal as well. So well-deserved by Growski, bad defending by Sky Blue. Um, but yeah, and again, it was just great to see. It was great to see. She had a wide open goal and you saw that moment where she was like, I have a wide open goal and she zinged it in there and it was great. Yeah, it was fantastic. I'd love to see a player like that get her number called in that position specifically, and then be able to execute that um, credit to her. Uh, And really having that be a goal that helps you, you know, pull your team ahead, right? After uh, playing, this was, this, this goal occurred in the 26 minutes. So you're talking already 20, 25 minutes have passed. You're approaching what is going to be a hydration break, right? Because they're continue, they've continued high hydration breaks throughout uh, games for 2020 in NWSL. So I think it was, you know, it was very important goal to get as they kind of go into a moment where you kind of can hit a pause button, right? For a second and both teams can kind of, yes, rehydrate, but also kind of maybe address some things that you're seeing on the pitch that maybe that aren't connecting. So seeing them pull ahead and get this goal, especially against an, a Skyblue team who was also equally sticking to their game and, and, and pressing to get some things and then going into that hydration break and then watching them come out of it. There was a moment, <laughs> there was a moment there where Bianca and George actually kind of was out of breath. Right. And there was a moment where we were like, what did she just, she yeah, just, she got decked. She got decked by the ball. She just, yeah. she just, Wind she knocked took her, it. Yeah. <laughs> she just took it and she, it came at the perfect time. She had to catch her breath and, uh, it worked out quite nicely. And, um, yeah, these two teams pretty much just kind of went back and forth. Um, we saw some more continued good play from a player like Sarah Lubert. Uh, she really I felt like at times was really everywhere uh, on on the pitch for, for the team. And uh, with those hydration breaks, there's additional stoppage time that's added, right? So we're seeing anywhere from – three to five minutes, you know, depending if there's any extra stoppage time for, from subs or 
or stoppage of play due to due to injury. Uh, so as halftime was approaching, you guys, the Red Stars went ahead and got a third goal uh, before halftime, and it was a, nice uh, a very, very, very lovely goal. And it was a goal that I'm so happy came to fruition because minute, like seconds, really before this goal actually happened. Vanessa DiBernardo put the Chicago Red Stars up three to one before halftime. But prior to her actually getting this goal, she had an opportunity, a very good opportunity to make it three one, but it didn't happen. And if you've been watching Vanessa DiBernardo play soccer for as long as we've been watching Vanessa DiBernardo play soccer, sometimes you really just want homegirl to shoot that ball. I think what I said in the press box, I was like, she's like, if it's not perfect, I don't want it. <laughs> she likes to play beautiful soccer. A beautiful and we, game. <laughs> we appreciate her so much for wanting to play the beautiful game so beautifully. But you know what? She, she stuck to her convictions and she did get another opportunity and it came in the 43rd minute. And it was a lovely, lovely, lovely goal. I mean, it was a combination, again, a combination of this sort of new look uh, options that we were witnessing offensive options for, for the Red Stars. Garowski, again, doing fantastic work. And this was a goal that was so lovely to see come to fruition because, again, we got to see these goals happen from different areas on the pitch. You had this goal get created out wide. And it's just like, wait a minute, what's happening here from Chicago Red Stars? It was so nice to see you guys. You had Garowski continuing to put in work on the shift. She ends up feeding this ball to Kalia Watt, who took this ball, carried this ball out wide. It ended up serving this ball into what really just looked like a waiting Di Bernardo. Again, the space that they were being given in this final third from Sky Blue. I, I don't know what was up with that, but they it was great to see them take advantage of it. And Vanessa DiBernardo put this ball away, and the Red Sox found themselves up 3-1 before halftime. Yeah, it was definitely – I was yeah, you're exactly right. I was going to say it is definitely indicative of the amount of space that they were getting and time that they had. They had a lot of time to think. Um, but the thing that I saw when I was re-watching the games today – that I didn't see live was that so Watt was the one who sent the ball out to Gorowski and then Watt points to where she wants that ball to go and Gorowski sees her point and sends it exactly to where Watt was going and I said like this is it this is the thing that they've been working on which is when you receive the ball you have to be thinking about what's happening next or for someone like Watt when you send the ball do it with like three steps ahead of you, knowing where you want to be going. And, and so the fact that not only was that kind of heads up play happening, but the fact that then Watt was able to turn that into a very good, well-weighted pass in. And then Di Bernardo, that was a great shot by Di Bernardo. Um, and actually I want to point this out now, which is that one of the uncharacteristic things that we saw from Chicago this weekend was they had high efficiency in front of goal. They had seven shots on goal on 10 shots and, and four of those went in that is those kinds of efficiency numbers in front of goal are not a thing that Chicago historically has done. Obviously that has to do with the philosophy of give it to Sam Kerr and see what she does. And sometimes she did great. And sometimes she did whoopses and it, <laughs> it just, you know, it, it worked out in the end, but um, so 
I thought that was also really interesting. And like you said, it was a very Vanessa DiBernardo style of play, which is that um, they got few, they got eight fewer shots than Sky Blue did, but they had the same amount of shots on goal. And, and four of them were on target. All, you know, Watt's first goal was good, um, but especially the DiBernardo goal, the third goal, and then what we're going to talk about, Watt's fourth goal, really nicely placed shots. Um, and that is new. That's a new element. And so, again, sure. they had time to think that influences that, but the fact that they were able to execute on that is is really nice to see. Absolutely. You, you love to see it because you've never seen it. And it was <laughs> fantastic to see. Yeah. Uh, Got to be feeling good heading into halftime, right? Up three to one. And uh, at the same time, there's always that little bit of moment where you recognize – two-goal lead. Let's see what happens. You wonder if there's going to be any adjustments that are made because the team was really clicking, really vibing, headed into halftime. So there was curiosity whether or not there were going to be some adjustments made. Like, do you tinker? Do you toy with that? Do you tinker with that performance, that 45 that you just saw, right? Or do you roll with it a little bit, right? And they did. They ended up continuing with it. It was it was good to see, um, especially in this year, right, where we heard from so many coaches, specifically even just for the Red Stars, that the games that happened this year going to be utilized for a lot of different reasons to get a lot of looks. But it was nice to see the commitment going into the second half uh, with that starting 11. For Sky Blue on their side, which we ended up finding out later, was initially going to be the plan period, no matter what, uh, just feels a little bit worse when you're on the end of that uh, goal scoring from the opposition in the first half. There was a goalkeeping substitution that was made for the second half, uh, which Sky Blue went ahead and they brought on Kaylin Sheridan, which is who's typically, right, their starting goalkeeper. Uh, so uh, Didi Heritage uh, went ahead and de departed for the rest of the match. And then Kaylin Sheridan, Canadian international, uh, had the responsibility in the pipes uh, for, for the second half. And um, the Red Stars, who ended up deciding to go forth with their starting 11, uh, again, we saw both these teams, not just the Red Stars, continue to pick up where they left off. Uh, we saw both teams still really kind of commit to their game plan that they were trying to go ahead and execute. We saw uh, Sky Blue really try to create something very quickly coming into this second half. Um, just to speak really quickly on, we're speaking really holistically on the, on the team's performances, but even if we just want to narrow things down to like um, individual performances, um, you know, watching things happen, like developing between a player like Danny Colaprico and Jennifer Cujo was, I don't know what I was expecting, but I'm not sure if I was expecting that. And um, it, again, I, I was like, wow, I'm so glad I get to witness this um, in person. It was, it absolutely, you're hundred percent correct. Larry, it was absolutely um, a battle. So actually shout out to both of those players. They are very good midfielders. Um, that was a fun one V one battle. Again, watching a player like Sarah Luber, build into her game was very yeah. impressive. Um, and seeing somebody like Zoe Morse go from where she started in the Challenge Cup 
to now in a second game in the fall series was very, very dope. Uh, talking about numbers and talking about stats, Zoe Morris had a 100% pass rating in that first half alone. And that's so impressive, you guys. And it's, uh, again, we're hearing about great things coming out of training and s- only seeing a little bit of it um, through limited games, right? Um, but watching both these teams just kind of go right back at it to open this half was really, really dope. It was a real treat. Yeah, to talk about Chicago's defense maybe specifically and, and what we saw as the game went on, I, I'm a little bit torn. I'm a little bit torn about this because I think the plan for the next game and probably the game after that is to get some of Chicago's starters back. And I'm a little bit like, but they're doing so well. Um but that's because I think a couple other things that are worth mentioning. Um, I think having Sarah Gordon back in the lineup allowed things to stretch a little bit. I had the thought watching it. I said, a lot of these players are fast. No one on this field is as fast as Sarah Gordon. And that goes a long way. <laughs> um, and then I think this was upon the rewatch. And I had the thought, in the stadium as well, which is that Alyssa Nair didn't have to do anything exceptional to like save this game, but having someone like her back there directing what's going on. And even just, she has her goal covered. She just has it covered like her placement. And and that's why I think if you think about this game, you're like, wow, sky blue had 18 shots and none of them seemed that spectacular and part of that a little bit was Nair's positioning was really good there were a lot of moments where sky blue would shoot wide but you'd be like but if it hadn't have been wide Nair would have had it like she she really had a very fundamentally solid game um and her her you know vocalizing and and leading from the back there I think was huge again Chicago kind of had a lot of time on the ball, even in the back as the game went on. That's what happens when you're losing, you know, three and then four, one in a game like this. But um, that was very cool to see. And so the thing that I really enjoyed, and I'll maybe say this now as we go into this fourth goal, because maybe this is the other bigger thought that I have about this. And I've had this thought about every single game I've watched in the fall series, comparing it to 2019 and thinking about, how much Chicago struggled during the world cup or even thinking about how much Orlando struggled the whole year or how much sky blue had trouble at times. And the thought that I have is we're never going back to that place. There is no team in the NWSL that is that currently exists that is ever going to go back to that kind of stretched frantic play that we saw in 2019 because they got a second, this whole year was just a chance to learn and improve in a way. It's a wonderful gift. Everyone got to reset completely and with no stakes. And that is good for the red stars and it's good for everybody else too. And so when you watch this game and you think to yourself, Casey short, isn't playing Tierna Davidson, isn't playing Julie Ertz is not there and see the way that these players stepped up because they're healthy and they're confident and they're happy to be there. Um, 
was it felt very different to me and and i've seen that not only in chicago but in other places as well and so truly and this is my big counterpoint to the fear of people leaving is just i just don't think this league has ever been stronger every single player on the on the pool bubble has been tested and we figured out who's good or who's not and this the non-surprise is that most of them are better than you think and it's gone really well. So I think that thinking about the way the defense improved, but with the pieces of Nair and Gordon and stuff like that, but even just the way Vanessa DiBernardo played in this game versus how she played during the World Cup last year was night and day. And so that is cool. I, I was thinking, like, there's no way that Jess Fishlock, like, steals three points from this team, or there's no way that um, last year's Washington spirit you know, runs away with a game. Like, I think that you just see how they were able to react and improve and it's good for the team, man. It's all really positive. You know what? I just realized when we were talking about Sky Blue missing a player like Mal Pugh, mm-hmm. Chicago's missing a player like Savannah McCaskill. Chicago doesn't get a lot of help in people talking about who they're missing. They've been missing a lot of people this year and they've done pretty well. They've been pretty damn well. I think that makes the performances a little bit more impressive to be quite frank. Um, Getting to this fourth goal, you had sky blue just to piggyback off of your talking about the positioning of, of a listener and what she was doing for her back line and for her team while in net. Um, You're talking about block shots, you know, by her defensive players. You're talking about a save, you know, off of a veteran like Sarah Woolmore. And then watching this team not only defend against that, sustain it, you know, sustain it, but transition off of it. Yeah. was absolutely delicious because that is how their fourth goal came to light. We saw, again, again, we saw this goal sort of come to fruition off of another sky blue throw-in. And the ball gets played in. And as sky blue is about to, you know, attempt to retain possession and play within Chicago's half, Sarah Luper just comes out of nowhere almost and intercepts intercepts a ball intercepts a pass and then very wisely just runs makes a run with the ball and utilizes the space that is in front of her and is given her and as she plays this ball into the final third and two defenders attempt to collapse she is able to play this ball out to Kalia Wa, who is making a streaking run with her. And then she receives this ball, carries her defender, proceeds to shake off her defender, carry the ball into the box, and is able to just sort of toe poke this ball and slot it past an entirely different goalkeeper and Kaylin Sheridan that she was facing in this match. It was a fantastic fourth goal to score. Yeah, one of the things that I'm glad I went one of the reasons I'm glad and I went back and I and I rewatched um the the broadcast uh today is I got to see notice more 
we could tell in person that Sarah Lubert was everywhere because she really was everywhere. Part of Chicago's whole offensive scheme right now is that everyone plays everywhere. Um, but she has got sauce, man. She was doing like, sc- like scissor move. Like she was, she was dribbling on some fools during this game. And the fact that she was able to do this, you know, well into the second half was impressive too, from a fitness standpoint. Um, and it also showed growth because Sabrina Flores tried to body her off the ball and failed. And so it, it you can just see how that, that adjustment was made. Now, Sabrina Flores is not the largest player in the NWSL, but it, it made a difference. And then the other thing too, is again, talking about what um, she Lubert almost didn't get the ball off in time. The thought I had watching it live was she's going to hold on to this for too long and Watt's going to be offside. Um, but they just they just barely got it done because Watt started moving slightly laterally while she was waiting for Lubert to make the pass. And that's it, like it if if Watt had been thinking like I got to run to goal and and trust that Lubert's going to do it on time that it wouldn't have worked. She would have been offside, but she saw basically how long it was taking Lubert to think and adjusted the run. And so that was why she was for even able to do anything with that shot. And then, yeah, the, it was, it was a great, it was a great shot. I mean, I think Sheridan did a good job coming off her line and Watt basically put it in the most unsavable place she possibly could. Um, and yeah, it was, it was great. Um, oh, the other thing I want to say real quick too is, is, uh, you could tell that no one had played a soccer game at SeatGeek for a while because that ball moved real good on that grass. I got to say. Yeah. I can't believe we forgot to touch on that. The yeah. grass never looked it's better. It's never looked better. Yeah. <laughs> at SeatGeek Stadium than it did on this, this special homecoming game. You guys, um, gotta say this fourth goal, uh, Maybe not the the highlight goal because there were a couple other goals that happened that looked really, really dope. But the timing of this goal, right, in the 57th minute, um, after you could tell the visiting side was pressing to try to get that early goal within the maybe the first 10 to 15 in that second half, and then having the opportunities that they had literally just before that fourth goal was goal, um, scored, it, it, it's the timing of it's a little, maybe a little bit demoralizing. It's something about having that two goal lead where you feel like it's within reach if you play in a solid good 45. And then to kind of concede just ahead of that hour mark in the match, maybe kind of does something for you in, I don't know, a, a bonus game in 2020 that you weren't expecting to play. Um, and to be quite frank, seeing the rest of the half develop, you eventually got to a point where it looked like both teams were okay with just sort of playing things out um, just for our due diligence uh, before the team headed into a second half hydration break. There was an awkward moment upon the sideline there with Morgan Gutrell, who uh, we found out uh, when we followed up during – post game with head coach Rory Dame she took a bit of an awkward fall uh, watching it in person and kind of receiving the body language uh, from a player like Morgan Brian uh, Morgan Gutro excuse me didn't necessarily send off a lot of alarms I know for us Claire Um, and it was nice to be able to follow up 
with Rory Dames about it uh, because we ended up seeing her get a look at, you know, by the trainer, but end up jogging off under her own power, not needing any assistance, and then just kind of getting a look at and then following up with that. Uh, Rory Dames essentially saying that if it wasn't a 4-1 game, if it was a regular season, if it was a different type of environment and a different type of circumstance that she probably would have gone, but obviously out of precaution, they pulled her and clearly they're going to probably follow up. Yeah. I, uh, I saw, I, you know, happened to see her as I was leaving the stadium and she just had ice ice on her left knee. So nothing holding it in place, nothing like that. So I think it just, she yanked it or something, but uh, yeah, yeah, I guess, you know, again, that grass just, <laughs> was so fresh and just could the cleat was like i want to stay here forever yep and that's kind of what happened it was just an awkward cleat to the grass uh, kind of moment and uh hopefully that is true hopefully it's just a a quick precaution and stuff like that because uh, she was a player who was amongst other players having a really 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 fantastic game uh for for the red stars and uh, honestly coming out of that hydration break you're talking around the 75th minute and then playing out those final 15 minutes again you just saw these two teams sort of play it out and kind of see um see three see things through and uh the red stars went ahead and made themselves a couple substitutions uh, we ended up seeing Ariel Chavron come in for a player like Morgan Gatra we ended up seeing uh, Zoe Grossi come out in place of Danny Rhodes uh, so you know Hannah Davison come on for Sarah Luber you know who who almost went a, a full 90 uh, and shout out to Hannah Davison for getting that 90th minute stoppage time yellow card it wouldn't be a homecoming without it baby stoppage Listen, time yellow. man when you're playing the six behind the other two sixes sometimes you got to do some dirty six work you know hey it's a Rory Dame special and you love to hear it uh fantastic stuff to see from the team on this day uh it was great to be back it was great to witness and uh, it was nice to cover and recap a chicago red stars win before we dip into a very very quick preview of next weekend we've, we've talked enough is there anything else you want to say on this game are you good ready to put it to bed uh no i think they did great i i had a wonderful time i feel very lucky to have seen it um yeah felt like hope felt like hope for the future gonna be honest that's the best way to put it folks can't add anything to it shout out to the players and the coaches who spent time with us after the game on a virtual zoom conference we appreciate it thank you for letting us do our jobs and by extension doing yours uh we got to speak to rory dames we got to speak to uh Kaylee Kliwat, Zoe Gorowski, uh, if you am, uh, if you Manu, Gina Lewandowski, and the head coaches as well. Uh, so yeah, shout out to both of them, Kliwat and, and Zoe Gorowski. They they recorded their first uh, Red Stars goal on that day, so that was really really dope. And um, a lot of good vibes heading into next week. Uh, they're gonna face Washington Spirit uh, back at SeatGeek Stadium. It's going to be a big game uh, for all to see on CBS and we're looking forward to it and I'm sure they are as well. And um, this is going to be the second time that they face the spirit and the last time for this fall series, because each of these teams are going to play each other a couple times. And um, yeah, got to say, they got to look at each other already once before and um, spirit have shown us in two games that they start off their first halves kind of, kind of questionably, right? And um, I don't know. I, I think if you're the Red Stars and you're coming off this win and you've got the 
um, home advantage. You don't have to travel. You got to be feeling good heading into a match like that. Yeah, I mean, I think my thought on it is, you know, in in the substitution of actual stakes. Um, for Chicago, you know, in 2020, they've dropped two kind of bummer results against the Spirit. The first one being the first game of the Challenge Cup and, and the next one being the first of the Fall Series, neither of which felt like fair, real fair shakes for the Red Stars. And um, I think that they would just like to not do that again. I would like for them to put a good performance together against that team because through circumstances really kind of outside of their control, they just haven't been able to. Um, yeah, one team's riding high. I guess theoretically Washington is also coming off a win. They're coming off a win against the Red Stars. Um, but we'll see. I think, again, home field advantage will be useful to Chicago. I think they'll have Savannah McCaskill back, and I think they're hopeful that they're going to have quite a few other players back as well. Um, we saw Tierna Davidson, Casey Short, and Aaron Wright all participate in warm-ups this weekend. I think they're really close to being ready to go, if not for a full 90. Um, and yeah. We also saw them warming up uh, during the sideline, during the game. Yeah, at right. Some point. So yeah. that was good, too. That was really um, and then, and then the bigger question I think for me is just um, because this is the big game, right? This is the one that really is the exciting one in that it's on big CBS. Um, again, when you're kind of grasping for stuff to get excited about, that's a good that's a good one. I wonder if Chicago might come out a little tight. Sometimes they do that when they know people are watching them. So we'll we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, that's important. Uh, Big-time players show up for big-time games. So I guess we will see what happens next week. Uh, Washington Spirit are coming off of a bye week themselves. So maybe there will be uh, a little less feelings of the effects of something like travel coming off of something like that. So it should be um, it should be a good match. Again, these are two teams who tend to match up against each other pretty well for the most part, even though we're seeing them in a very interesting year. So... Uh, yeah, I'll, I would love to see, in terms of players, I'd like to see make an impact. Uh, Savannah McCaskill will be returning. I would like to see her pick up where she left off before she was issued that red card and had to exit the game and see if maybe what the team can build up from that. Um, yeah, if we do see it first in some type of capacity, uh, minutes to somebody like Aaron Wright, if this match somehow does provide that opportunity, would love to see it. And I'm um, looking forward to it. Anyone in specific you want to see have an impact? Um, I, I, every time you ask me this during this year, I'm like, well, let, I want to be surprised. <laughs> Anybody. You know yeah, what? I, my you know expectations what are very low. I just want them to go have a good time out there, you know? Um, I would like for no one to get hurt. I think anytime you have players who have been on a long road to recovery, whether it's Davidson or Wright, it's kind of scary to get them out on the pitch again for the first time. So um, I would like for that to go well. Um, and I would, I just really would like for them to win both of their seat geek games this, this year. I think that would be really nice. That would be really nice. You know what else would be really nice? Just letting these wonderful listeners know how they can engage with us, Claire. Yeah. Uh, subscribe to the Patreon. That's what you got to do guys. Yeah. Uh, if you've enjoyed our content, you'd enjoy the podcast. If you enjoy uh, reading our previews, reading our recaps, uh, reading 
wonderful thoughts about Chicago Red Stars type of things, or by extension, city of Chicago type of things. Um, by all means, uh, go ahead, subscribe to the Patreon. There's a number of tiers that you can find. Please find one that works for you. If not, uh, we do understand that in a year like this, it is incredibly difficult uh, to try to maybe add another type of subscription to your financial pocketbook. And uh, if that's the case, I just want to let you know that there are a number of ways that you can continue your support of the Southside Trap podcast, the podcast that helps you stay outside with the Chicago Red Stars. And you can do that by following us on all social media channels, whether it's Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, on Southside Trap Pod with one letter P. And you can find us on all sorts of streaming services, Anchor, Spotify, and iTunes. So go ahead and find us, uh, subscribe, give us a like, leave us a rating or review. That stuff also helps us out tremendously whenever we're trying to produce Chicago Red Stars content for you all. So everybody, continue to be safe, practice social distancing, wear your mask, wash your hands, wash your face, wash everything. For the love of everything, please continue your support of Black players and Black lives, and we will be here with you next week to recap another fall series match. Thank you.